Hey sister, welcome to Cultivating Hearts Podcast. It's Jenna and Joanna here, and we're going to jump right into today's topic. We're going to be talking about our children bearing our image and kind of being this mirror effect um, of what we do and how we react. It's only natural that our kids would model after us. Uh, Scripture tells us that humans are the only thing that is a bearer of God's image, and our children bear our image as well. And so We have to be really mindful of the things that we're doing and what we want to see produced in our own children uh, because they're going to model after us. Yeah, and God, I think, puts his imprint on us and we put our imprint on our kids. They're watching everything we are doing, as you mentioned. Um, If we yell, they're going to yell. If we're calm, they'll be calm maybe. If we are excitable, they will be excitable. If we use sarcasm or avoid ignore, whatever, and they're going to probably follow suit. So yeah, we need to watch everything because they are examining everything that we are doing and emulating it. So I think we have to start our day every single morning intentional, um, knowing what the game plan is, how we are going to model this behavior to our kids that we want to see them uh, in turn doing and, and deciding what it is that's important for them to repeat. And we have a journal that you can utilize every morning. It's it's there so that you can utilize it and be intentional in the morning. There's some questions about your day to get you started off. And that's free. Yeah, that's free on our website. If you go on there, you can uh, print that out and just download it. Um, I recommend that you just print it like a front and back piece of paper and maybe create your own journal. Um, print out several of them so that you have one for each day of the week. Um, but... Yeah, it's just a great way to start your day with intentionality and you know, just tuning in to the Father and seeing what He has for you. And that secret place that we talk about. We're coming against the world, and it isn't pretty. We're constantly fighting the flesh, and we have to operate in the Spirit or possibly lose our kids to the world. Um, and the world is actually operating under a, another influence, the enemy, the father of lies, the accuser. The enemy is playing for the hearts of our children, and we have to stay in step with the Father. So how do we do that? How do we stay on the straight and narrow when we ourselves are sometimes struggling? Again, we need to go to, a, to the Father. We need to go to maybe a counselor, a trusted friend, our pastor. We need to take back the land that the enemy has stolen from us and our kids. I remember when I gave birth to the twins, and we were in the NICU for close to a month. I had... Preeclampsia, it was emergency C-section, it was a little bit crazy. The whole time, though, I had just complete peace. I think I was just ignorant to what was going on, honestly. <laughs> but And I had, had no other children prior to them. Uh, but as soon as I got, let's see, I woke up maybe five days later after giving birth. And at the time, side note, I was just, I was teaching foster parenting classes. And the big thing was, make sure as soon as you have your child, you put your child on the your chest and make sure that you're bonding and attaching right away. And here I hadn't seen them for five days, right? Again, I felt total peace, even though I didn't like that part of it. But my first thought when I saw them with all the tubes connected to them was, oh my gosh, I came here to do what I needed to do and I can die now. And I was completely at peace having that thought. That's a weird thought. That's a weird (laughs) thought. I'm like, that's That's not the thought I had when I had my kids. (laughs) That's so weird. And I was just, I... It, fa- it was just boggled my mind why I had that thought. And years later, 
as I started thinking about it, I had less peace about that thought, thinking, well, am I not going to live very long? My boys are going to have to live life without me some, <laughs> for some reason. Um, and I just remember pressing in and praying about that, and I really felt like the Holy Spirit was just oppressing upon my heart. No, what it meant was I can die to myself now. Like, it's not about me. And I really think it was a Holy Spirit thought, but... Definitely um, die to yourself when you have your kids. Yes, we do. <laughs> There's no room for selfishness. No, I mean, you don't get to go to bed when you want to go to bed anymore. You don't get to do the things that you're used to doing with friends, typically. I mean, you can't take a shower, you know. Right, go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not about us anymore. Of course, we need to take time out for ourselves, but it's not the same as when prior to having children, as it once was. When I had my oldest, uh, Owen, it was, I think, my first thought was how much the Father must love us uh, because of the, um, the just the immense love that I saw in myself for my own kid. And I was like, man, this is what it's like. So it was in that moment when I was uh, laying in the hospital thinking to myself, I'm an adult now. Like, that was the first moment where like I I was young I was 20 when I got married 23 I think when I had Owen um and so I was young and I think when I was in the hospital had him it was the first time where I was like yep I'm an adult now like I'm in charge of this little human I have to put aside childish ways and you know things that maybe would have impacted me from my own childhood and gear up for a big job that was ahead of me Mm-hmm. And little did we know how big that job really is, was, yeah. Because I have so many kids that are in different ages, I think that it becomes really clear um, that you kind of grow with your child and things are exposed as you go through different stages with them, like where you have weaknesses and things that you struggle with and things from your childhood that are poking their nose into that specific developmental age that you're in. Um I just think it's intriguing to see how you're still working things out. I mean, I've been parenting here for almost 17 years, and it's still, you know, you're still figuring it out, still working through things. Yeah, it's interesting. I had an experience recently where um, my husband wanted my boys to go use the toaster oven, which we don't use often. And they had never used it. And he was just like, hey, they can use it. Go do it, boys. And I was like, "Um, they need to be taught first how to do that. And he's like, oh, they'll figure it out. And I was triggered. I hate that term typically. But something in me was like, okay. It's just (laughs) such a cultural term, you know, triggered. But But you were. Yeah, I was. (laughs) I was. It's the best thing that describes it. So, um. He went outside, and he was doing some chores, my husband was, and I went outside, and he goes, you know what? I really think that you are projecting onto me some things about how your dad was, and you are kind of putting your pla- yourself in the place of the boys. And I was like, wow, that's deep for Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> Great counselor that he is. Yes, yeah, so... I thought, you know, it's true. My dad did not typically, like, have any patience to teach you anything, or he would stand behind you. And And watch how you did it wrong. Watch how you did it wrong, and then you'd get in trouble. So I was just very much like, oh, no, this is not happening. (laughs) They're going to catch the house on fire. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, and it is kind of a difficult toaster oven. I mean, it's multiple steps. Multiple steps, and you have to at least do it once, right? So, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but Chuck had a good point in that, that mm -hmm. that wasn't what he was doing. He just thought, they're big enough, they can figure it out. They're mm -hmm. smart kids. He and wasn't... He wasn't doing what our dad did. No, he wasn't. But I was right back there. So I don't know how many of you have noticed that as your children reach certain ages, you are having certain reactions, even with how your husband disciplines or, um, yeah, just certain things come up. It's interesting. As I have counseled certain people, you know, certain ages were such a key moment for some people. Like age eight, this is when they, you know, were independent and their parent kind of, you know, pushed them aside or there was a divorce or something and it's like age eight for their kids getting to that that certain season really triggers them so it just kind of de depends you don't really know what's going to come up it's it's like the grief stages you really don't know in the grief stages of your past what is going to come up and when i think it's important though that we figure out how to work through those times though because it's they are going to come up and it's inevitable and we all have stuff from our past um I think that every marriage that I'm aware of has things that come up that like surprise the couple. Like I didn't have a clue that this is how you saw parenting should happen or just lots of questions. How many of us sat down before we were married, first of all, to get premarital counseling, let alone talk about how do we plan to discipline? How did our parents discipline us? What roles did your parents play in their marriage with the kids or with certain duties in the house? And we just don't discuss it. It's just some of these things we are modeled. His expectations were a little bit different than my expectations, and we had to come together and talk about that. I think even though, like, I had really amazing premarital counseling. It was done very, very well by um, a pastor friend of ours, and... It was incredible. But even so, I was 20 years old. And when you say, like, what are your plans for how you're going to parent your kid? I mean, I don't know that you have the wisdom in that moment to really come together. Like, it almost has to be an ongoing conversation that you're having with your you're spouse. Yeah, it, like, yeah. You're, you're learning that together. Like, doing parenting studies together and seeing what Scripture says about certain ages and stages that you're going through. Um, at 20, like, yeah, I had that, this great ideal, but like, it wasn't realistic of what was going to come my way. No, I mean, my kids were going to be perfect and put in bed yeah, and, ha you know, <laughs> and I, I knew how I was going <laughs> to discipline and how other people were not disciplining correctly. For sure. <laughs> and how I would do like, it Like, how dare they let their child do that? And then I'm the one that's like removing my kid from Hobby Lobby, kicking and screaming, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, we have to have these intentional conversations, and sometimes we don't have them until we're actually going through the thing, the chaos or the conflict with our kids, and then the conversation becomes, oh, well, that's not how I did it, or that's not how my parents did it, or that's not how I saw doing it. So we need to talk about expectations, realistic ones with our spouse, about marriage, about parenting. Again, our kids are watching everything, the good, bad, and the ugly. Um, and, you know, when it comes to our childhoods, you know, 
sometimes we make vows even like I am never going to be like my parent like this or that you know but yet the harder you try not to be like that sometimes you are like that and you're like why am I like this I didn't want to be like this <laughs> or sometimes you go the complete opposite if you as you had mentioned sometimes you know with- yeah I think the way that I was parented there were things that I didn't like and so I think I've been like hyper vigilant to not do those things with my kid sometimes maybe <laughs> to a fault but I think that you can go either way. Like you either like are following in your parents' footsteps or you're like, man, I am not even walking one step in their Mm -hmm. way. One of those things that really impacted me was being on time for places. That gives me a lot of stress if I am not somewhere on time. And I feel like I'm being disrespectful. But growing up in a family with six kids, somebody always had a problem. So you weren't getting anywhere on time. That's me. I hate being late. And it's like inevitable that somebody can't find their shoes or they fell down in the mud like we have we've all been right we've been all walking out the door for church and I'm like man we're on time we're gonna do this and a kid falls down in the mud is like covered head to (laughs) the mud puddle I was like and we're back to square one yeah Jenna's family triggers me a little bit (laughs) speaking of triggers because I'm just like if you're with her with six kids it it's gonna be a little bit more of a yeah, you're not going go anywhere somewhere. right when you want to. That's for sure. So, you know, how do we break some chains from our childhood? Um, it, it's really, really difficult because of that imprint upon us, even if we don't want to be like our parents or we want to do the opposite. Like that, that imprint, that, that modeling um, is still... It's there. It's like just there. Yeah. yeah, you don't want it to be there, but it's there. <laughs> so we'd like to direct you to our ebook where you can walk through some issues from childhood, laying down some influences and behaviors that might be affecting you currently with your own kids and in your own life in this season. Um, it walks you through, you know, what are some behaviors you'd like to change for the sake of your family, for your sake, so that you can have peace in your family. Yeah, I think the guide is really helpful. It um, makes you think, that's for sure, and really kind of dig in and maybe even touch on some things that are uncomfortable and that you don't want to have to deal with. But when you start doing it, you realize why those questions are there and why we need to work through them. Because without uh, facing them head on, we're not going to find freedom on the other side of it. Yeah, and sometimes we are just really stuck in a trauma response or a memory response. So one of the, let's see, one of the questions that is asked in our ebook is, you know, what memory is coming to mind? What do you sense, smell, um what comes to mind when you think of this memory and then as this memory comes up you know how did you feel in that memory and and really talk to the Lord about how you felt what it was like how you might have felt overlooked how it caused fear um, just whatever you were feeling and there have been times I've done this and I mean I could come up with like three or four pages of how I felt from that one memory we might not have enough lines for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had some real stuff to work through, that is for sure. So, yeah, how do we get unstuck from the, our memory response? Because so many times um, we want to move forward and we can do some things like snap a rubber band on your wrist or walk away from the situation when there's some, some heated moments and then come back to it, you know, to, to deal with it later once everybody calms down. And there's some really great tools. But what if you are the person that's going zero to 100 and you're having a, 
a memory response or a trauma response and you're like, okay, the rubber band's not going to help me and I don't even have time to think to get out of the situation. So this is a memory or trauma response that really is something that we can work through with the Lord. I have experienced it myself. Um, actually, many of the things I'm talking to you about today, I have gone through myself and it has not been fun because it's like, you know, God prunes us. Um, he is molding us into his image and it is not always comfortable whatsoever to have to be pruned and it's cut not. things off of our personalities. Right. Pruning is harsh when you're, um, we homestead. And so I'm always amazed at the analogy of pruning when I'm out working in the orchard. Um, cause you really cut things back. I mean, you think you're killing the tree. You're like, <laughs> so, is it going to come back the fruit like, next year? Am I really going to, yeah. Is this the best thing for my tree? But when it does come back and the fruit is produced, um, you recognize how important that pruning was um, because all of the energy then and the, the nutrients can go to producing the fruit. And so when you make that analogy with life and how God is pruning us, he's cutting back all of that crap and the garbage so that the fruit can be produced. And we have to remember that the fruit is the last thing to grow. Mm -hmm. Um I mean, you have a long ways to go in a tree before the fruit is produced. And so I think um, as we're thinking through that as Christians, especially like God is pruning and he is, he's getting us to that point of producing good fruit. And it really is possible to get set free. Again, he comes to set the captives free. He comes to heal the brokenhearted. With God, we can have release. And we have to actually believe that we can have the release with Christ, the release with Christ. Um, because if we believe the lie that we can't be well, or that we, we sometimes have this also trauma response um, blocked in our body somewhere. But I have really experienced myself and would encourage you, as you breathe Christ in and just take a deep breath, you can you know breathe him in and then release. And you can feel it in your body, whatever tension you're feeling. Like you can just think, I'm releasing this from my chest, anger from my heart area. Um fear from my gut, you know, and you can just kind of release that into his hands because we can go to the cross. And I would always envision myself putting things in a garbage bag and just kind of throwing it at the foot of the cross. The cross, um, he, he bare our sin and his stripes have set us free. So the, the freedom and the healing is there. We just need to receive it and believe and not agree with the enemy and the lie that we will never be set free. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If we don't believe that we can ever get set free, we, we won't. Um, and yeah, if we'll it's respond a, in yeah, trauma every time. You'll just Yes. So we can release that. And if it's a physical issue, as Jenna and I mentioned in the previous podcast, we can go deal with the physical stuff. Um, but we can lay a lot of stuff down and, and really gain some freedom. And as we are telling him all this stuff that we are feeling in this memory that we mentioned, um, he wants to give you something in return. And so if you even just want to sit and listen, like, what does he want to give you in return? What does scripture say he wants to give you in return? Peace, comfort, joy in trials. And we can receive those things. Yeah. Acts 17 tells us that for in him, we live and move and have our being. And he doesn't want us to stay in this memory response as much as we don't want to stay in it. He wants us to be set free um, so that we can move in his way. So let's lay down the memory that's bothering us. 
Um, he may bring this memory to mind once again. Um, if you can't think of anything, just sit there for a while or maybe it'll come to you in the next few days. I think I'm slow. <laughs> a lot of times Joanna like quickly comes up with uh, like this is what happened in my childhood and this very specific moment like is what played that key role. And even when we were preparing for this podcast, she asked me a question and I had to sit there for a long while to be able to even pinpoint what that is. So if you don't get it right away, you're not abnormal. Um, sometimes it takes a little bit of pressing in for me with God and asking him to reveal that to me and to show me why I'm responding a certain way. Um, sometimes it takes a little bit of time. So, so he knows your story more than you know your story. And the Spirit searches the deep things and all the things and can bring to mind. That's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to convict, bring things to mind, teach. And so he is there as our helper if we have truly sought first the kingdom and he is living in us. We have power and authority that we are possibly not utilizing and many times we are not util utilizing. If you happen to feel like you are blocked, there could be some unforgiveness and just ask him to bring to mind anybody you need to forgive. Of course, people don't need to deserve to be forgiven to be forgiven. Um, unforgiveness just hurts us more than anybody, right? So we wanna release that so we can flow with the Holy Spirit. Also, you might have some self-hatred um, and, and that makes it impossible to receive his good gifts. He's sitting there wanting to give us good gifts, but if we are unable to receive, there have been times in the past where I'm like, well, I don't know how to receive your good gifts. And um, so that's where I started. I don't know how to receive your good gifts. Help me to lay down the old and pick up the new. Um, if you can't do it, which most of us can't, <laughs> we can't do the internal hard work. Again, we can use the tools that we learn, but he has to do the internal work. And we have to sometimes just sometimes surrender, lay down, um, repent. And it's not a popular thing to do to say, hey, you have sin in your life and maybe you need to repent. Now, there are things that happen to us and, and, and it had nothing to do with us, right? But there are things we've been in agreement with or we've opened the door to the enemy to. And those are the things we need to lay down and repent and say, I'm going to turn away from these things or I'm going to break a vow or an agreement or I'm going to forgive somebody so that I can receive all that God wants to give me. So as we're doing this, it's not just about us. If we're talking about our children mirroring us, I think that it's healthy for them to see us even struggling and working through some of these processes and figuring it out. Um, I think that it's healthy um, to be able to tell your kid, like, I don't really know how to respond to you right now. Um, I had a situation with one of my kids um, where it clearly needed some discipline and I wasn't sure in that moment uh, what needed to happen. And so I just sat down with them and I was like, I know that there's something that needs to happen right now, but I need a minute. I need to talk to your dad. I need to spend time with God for a minute and just figure out um, what needs to happen in this moment. And I think that that's healthy um, for your kids to see that you don't have all of the answers and that sometimes you are going to go wrestle this out and figure it out. Um, and seeing that, you know, yeah, I messed up and, and I, I do need to repent and I'm struggling with this certain area. They see that you're human. We're, I mean, we're not going to be perfect. No, and to have those moments where instead of lashing out, because in that moment, I, you very easily could have lashed out. Um, 
but taking that deep breath and saying, okay, this is not how I want to respond. I don't want to lash out. I don't want to freak out in this moment, um, but I need some time. And so I think that we have to allow ourselves uh, the freedom to get there. And so working through our workbooks, I think is one of those tools, one of those tools that's going to get you there. Yeah. And God is not about condemnation. The enemy is about condemnation and accusing. Um, repenting is just saying, I'm going to turn away. It's not because God's ready to hit you over the head with anything. And it says, you know, confess your sins one one to another and be healed. And so I think we sometimes need to share that with counselor, what we're going through. and And there's some real opportunity there for healing. Yeah. But our kids are depending on us to do this. We've got to work through our own stuff so that they can be healthy, so that they aren't the ones that are having to break these chains and these, you know, these generational things that are going on over and over again, we need to be the ones that are breaking that for our kids. It stops with us. That's where it needs to stop. I, I've, I've had moments where I'm like, nope, this, this is not going to continue down the generations. I'm going to stop this for my boys. We have to be willing to receive his blessing so that we can cut those ties. Mm-hmm. You have a conquered past, a redeemed future. We can receive blessings from above. We can have a new view of the landscape, a fresh outlook, a positive view of ourselves through the lens of God's perspective. So, you know, we're just looking to lay down the old and pick up the new um, and not allow the past to dictate the future in Jesus' name. Uh, You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not below. You are not your past. You are not your eating disorder. You are not your alcoholism. You are not whatever else you want to put in that blank. You are not labeled by those things. You are a child of God if you have accepted him. These are things that we struggle with, but we do not let them define us. He defines us. We are made in his image. Shame, lies, curses from generations past do not hold us down, shrink us back, or keep us stuck in the muck. You are his. You are under his wings of peace. Though you grew up in a storm, you don't have to be in the storm anymore. You be the storm in his mighty name with his power, conquering everything in your path and in your past that has caused you destruction. And we can do that with his power and authority because he's living in us. And in Romans 8, 38, it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are now set free in Jesus' name. We have that ability. It might take some time walking it out, right? Um, It sometimes takes a process. It doesn't happen in an instant, um, but sometimes it can. Many times we are just, you know, we're just believing these lies and Really, the only power the enemy has is if we agree with the lies, you know. So we have to have the faith. In Hebrews 11, it talks about faith is the substance of the things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We need to detach ourselves from the belief that is destructive. And the truth will set us free, it says. So we need to be willing to come to the Father to seek his direction, ask for guidance, lay things down at the foot of the cross, and just let it be. Um, I know that it's hard for certain people to actually let things go, even though you don't want them. Um, And so I think visualizing that is helpful to actually say the words out loud, like, God, I am giving you this and And I I am, am. I'm letting go. I can't 
hold on to this any longer. It's yours. Well, and the power of your words. I mean, there's a power of life and death in our, our tongue. And so when we speak something out loud, that has power. And then we actually hear it in our own head and it develops new neural pathways. So let's lay things down and we're going to see healing on the other side of this. We will see you next Tuesday around the table.